I never once thought that maybe because they lived in America that their belief systems were changing too. What are my values? What do I really want to do? Time isn't running out. My journey gives me a different perspective on life. Everyone is like that. I kind of feel a little more fearless in chasing music all the way. I want you to learn that there's a difference between speaking poorly about your parents and speaking clearly about things that are affecting you. The fulfillment is not gonna come without hard work. But you know in your heart kind of who you are. It's the right choice. It's 100% the right choice. When you're they see like those questions. Study in There's like a deeper meaning behind all of this. Like it's, it's how you were raised, what you were taught, what you were conditioned to believe. This is the Desi Condition. Welcome back, Bondus. We are back with the second part of our interview with Shojib Shaha, aka Jai Wolf. And if you haven't listened to the first part, honey, you need to do that ASAP. It is a good one. Sajib told us about his family's history as Bangladeshi Hindu American immigrants, how and why he decided to pursue music, and also talked us through his process of getting through creative roadblocks in terms of the music industry, mental health, and motivation. We'll pick up where we left off and dive right into musical influences and inspiration. Then we'll get into some personal questions. And finally, we'll finish off with advice for up-and-coming artists. So shifting a little bit, coming back to your music specifically, what's your what's your creative process like? And like, how do you get your influences for your own music? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know what's cool about electronic music is that it can pull from so many different wor- uh, worlds and experiences. And um, I remember there's this tweet that was very in line with with how I think. Like, I actually don't listen to a lot of electronic music. Like, I love it, but I I like pulling from so many different genres. Even with Indian Summer, it's really interesting. Like, the beat itself is very like Kanye inspired. Like I loved uh, graduation and there's a lot of like, like the kick pattern from that Kanye like really likes. Like I remember trying to emulate that in, in Indian summer. Um, and then even some of like the melodies that even though they're synthesized and through MIDI and all that stuff, um, those are like pop punk melodies, like ingrained in my head, you know? So like pulling from different worlds, but kind of disguising them in different ways. I think that's kind of the beauty of electronic music. And I think a lot of, um, some of the best producers are the ones who are drawing outside of that world. They're listening to records that go beyond electronic music and, and then creating kind of their own world there, which is really sick. That's awesome. Is that any of it influenced by violin slash classical Bengali music days? I would say mostly classical because of just like orchestral background and stuff. I love movie scores and stuff like that. So I would say I was there's gonna a say lot it's of, a very orchestral feel. Yeah, I, I try to even sneak it in as much as I can. Like not every song is gonna have it, but like I like the idea of like large, grand cinematic feeling. So a lot of the stuff kind of has that feeling in I'll, I'll like sneak in like cello midi or something like in the background of of different songs but yeah no that that one that one i think is i lean into a bit more obviously than some of the south asian stuff as we've discussed before like if you listen to cure to loneliness like there's a lot of um like the last song the outro has this like big 
Hans Zimmery kind of like epic feel to it that I'm, I was really stoked on. And yeah, actually one of the things I, I wanted to do for that is record an actual orchestra, which I yeah. haven't, haven't, haven't done yet, but I, I want to maybe for the, for the next thing. Cause that's something that I, I've always wanted to do. That'd be really fucking cool. That'd be really awesome. I have a producer question. Yeah, go shoot. What's your favorite synthesizer? Um, <laughs> I've been using the Tal Juno a lot. I know that's kind of like a cliched, like '80s answer because all the stuff is very like synthwavy sounding. But I, it's I don't have a lot of I don't have analog gear because of two reasons. I've just been moving around so much that I haven't been able to like accumulate. And when I see friends who have like a lot of really cool analog gear, I'm like. I need that. I need that. Like, I need to have an actual studio set up like that. But that kind of requires being in one place for a really long time. And I haven't had the chance to, like, do that just yet. So everything I use is soft sense. Um, I, I have, like, I go through phases. Like, I'll have, like, a Spire phase or a Serum phase. And then, you know. Yeah. But I have, I have, I used to have a very disorganized workflow. And something that I've been trying to do over the past year especially after working with one of my buddies and seeing how he works was like organizing all the synth sounds that I use in like a cleaner way. Um, but yeah, no, I have, I have like kind of a rotation. I would say tall, you know, like profit, but like the soft synth version of the profit um, serum. Those just like warm, very warm tones. That's what I'm kind of drawn towards. Nice. I like it. Definitely recognize Serum. Yeah. What about you? For sure, Serum. That's like, I'm still picking up. I'm still trying to learn up a lot of different VIs and, and whatnot. And mm -hmm. like, I just like the visual interface of Serum because it helps me understand like the different waveforms and unison yeah. and stacking and all that. Yeah. Serum is really popular. I mean, it's very versatile too. I know some people might be like elitist about it. Like, oh, why would you use Serum to do Synthwave or whatever? But mm -hmm. honestly, I think that it's not the tools you use, it's how you use them. So it really it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. Yeah. My my whole philosophy is at the end of the day, if it sounds good, that's all that matters. Yeah. And also like the average person, they're not gonna be like, oh, oh my god, he used <laughs> serum to make a like an eighties patch. Like no one no one's gonna think that, you know. I agree, hundred percent. Dunnerstre, do you have anything else on like music career stuff? Because I'm ready for a, a fun question. I'm ready. I'm almost ready for fun questions. I had one more question though. So when you are performing live, what is it that you're trying to communicate with the audience? What are you trying to evoke in them? By the way, I just want to say that all these questions are fun questions. For me. <laughs> <laughs> they're all, they're all great. I've been having fun so much fun. <laughs> well, yeah. So, um, sorry, can you repeat the question? I, I blanked. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was saying that, when you perform live, because I have yet to see you perform live, but I'm still waiting for that moment. Um, but yes, when you perform live, what is it that you are trying to evoke in your audience? Okay, so, you know, in the electronic world, it's, it's, um, there's just so much that you can do live. Like, I've seen so many different shows, and I think some of the best ones are the ones that evoke like very intense, like emotional feelings, as if you're watching a movie. Um, those are the ones that have always stood out to me and even just beyond electronic music, I just love, I love theatricality in general. Like my favorite concerts are the ones where they go just balls to the wall with how crazy they can make their show look. 
Um, and one of those people that stands out is is Kanye. Um, I'm I I just want to say that I am not a Kanye fan now. I was a massive stan back in the day. He's just he's just such a dickhead. And like I think <laughs> even just with all with all the all the MAGA stuff and like you know I was not a fan of that and just just really hurt to see that whole you know era and i know a lot of people are like i'll separate the artist from the the music but it's hard to do with that like i couldn't even wear yeezys after that i was like dude fuck this guy i cannot give him any more dollars (laughs) um but despite that i recognize that he is extremely influential and he has done things in hip-hop that no one else was doing and he was a visionary like undeniable and i think that you can have complex opinions about artists or celebrities or whatever. Um, and he is one of the most complex celebrities that I have many different opinions on, but it's undeniable the the things that he was doing at that time were just so incredible all the way from glow in the dark tour to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy to, to watch the throne to Jesus. Um, I came in late. I cannot claim the title of an OG OG Kanye fan. I had Jesus walks and gold digger and Diamonds Are Forever and Stronger on my iPod. And that was it, maybe. <laughs> because that's what you did. You got, like, the big songs of your favorite artists and just, like, dumped them into your iPod. But what turned me into a stan was the 808s era. Like, that one is the one that got a lot of hate. A lot of people hated it. It was like, what is he doing with Autotune and since But I loved it. They, he leaned into the 80s stuff, and I, I thought it was incredible. Just loved the branding, loved the glasses and everything he was doing for for that that era um but then after for my beautiful dark Tracer fantasy he just had this just the music videos and the theatricality and his coachella 2011 performance 10 years ago if you go on my twitter i actually tweeted something about this because pigeons and planes their uh music blog they tweeted about his performance i was in my dorm room studying for midterms and i watched that entire set uh, i didn't know what Coachella really was at that time. Never been to California. I was just like, oh, it's Kanye. He's playing a concert and he wasn't touring this show, this, this album. I need to see it, obviously. And it's just, he had like actors on stage and he had this whole setup and it was so Shakespearean and, and like so visceral, you know, like it was so much more than just um, an MC on a microphone or even having just a band behind you, which I think is great. I've seen rappers with bands and it's always so cool. Um, and yeah, and that just like really stuck with me. I was like, wow, he just did something that like I will probably remember for the rest of my life. It was just so different and unexpected and very original. Um, those are some broad brush strokes, but that is something that I've always wanted to bring into our live show was like, how can we just be different? You know, like, when you think of an electronic artist or if you think of a DJ, you're like, oh, it's like decks and a table and maybe some visuals behind them. Um, but we try to make our show as custom as possible and, and put a lot of effort into just world building, which which I, I think goes a long way, especially in our genre where like people are trying to one-up each other with the different shows they have. And there's only so much you can do in, in the electronic space, but I think it's it's how you present yourself in a unique way like yes you're going to have an led wall yes you're going to have lights but then how do you operate them in a way that will kind of set you apart from from other artists um now with music i think that 
I've always treated it like, you know, there's, there's rises, there's falls, there's tension, there's release. Like it's basically in an emotional journey from start to finish. And I know that like, you know, when you put it into words, it will sound corny, cliched and cheesy, but it's something that it, I would say is indescribable. Like you have to be at the show to like experience it, to understand it and even be a fan. Like if you're not a fan, maybe it might not make sense. You know, sometimes it, it, you have to just be in that world to like fully, fully understand and appreciate it. Like it might be difficult to take someone who does not listen to Kanye West, bring him to a show and like, try to convert them. You already had the hurdle of them not being a fan, but you're just trying to like, you're just, for me, it's not, not really about like conversion. It's like, it's going to be a visceral experience, kind of take it or leave it. If you don't like it, that's okay. Maybe it's not meant for you. Um, which has happened. I've had people who are like, ah, that was a boring set or, you know, I don't get it, which is fine. Um, but yeah, no, we, I, I've always been inspired by people who like, like Kanye, who like to kind of like think like that, and then applying that to our live show. That's definitely how we go about it. I feel like you're very in touch with your yourself, your emotions, your surroundings, uh, your community. And this might seem a little bit left field, but it makes me wonder if you are at all inspired by the natural world in your work or in performances. That's so, that's so funny you say that because, um, I did an interview at Coachella in 2017 and the guy asked me this question and I think I was just really nervous <laughs> and I like, I didn't really understand it. Um, I don't really understand the question I I that I just asked, asked either. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine because I've thought about it. I watched the interview and I was like, oh man, I like didn't, I, I understood it afterwards because here's the other thing they gave me a time they gave me a time limit. they're like it's gonna be a five minute interview it's gonna be really quick so like just please please answer quickly so i was like uh, i like froze a little bit and i was like oh i think at the time he asked because like indian summer it's a weather term starlight was a song title at the time i think they like and jai wolf like the animal so i think they like they they like looked at those things and they're like oh he's, he must be very in touch with the natural world and they, they asked that question Cause, huh. Because, you know, I don't expect every interviewer, especially if you're sitting at a festival all day interviewing 20 different artists, they're not going to know everything about you. And so I was like, uh, I don't know about the natural world, but like I like movies and my, my music is, <laughs> is influenced by, by movies. Um, and that's how I answered that question. <laughs> but um, to answer your question, four years later, <laughs> um, actually almost to the day, because I was getting Snapchat memories of, of Coachella four years ago. So it's funny that it's like, it was like April 16th or something of that year. Um, influenced by the natural world? Um, yes and no. I think that there's two types of people who are like that. I think for me, like there's the people who are like, they're outdoorsy and they, they like camp and all that stuff. And they're very like meditative, do yoga. Like that, that that's one type. And I think for me, it's more of like, the romanticizing of of those elements and those things and those feelings um like i would not call myself necessarily an outdoors person i've tried i entertain it but i wouldn't say i'm, I'm in touch in in that way um for me it's more escapism like people yes. will the people who are in touch with the natural world treat it as that it's escapism for them you know um for me it 
And I think the answer is still stands. Like it is movies. Like to me, when I watch a movie, it's like to escape from the real world. But then you romanticize all the things in there in the movies, all, the, all anything that the the movie's trying to present to you, all the feelings and all that. That is kind of what I would say I'm a bit more in touch with. So, and this goes back to daydreaming. This goes back to like that kind of like, you know, uh, what I, I would say I'm more in touch with. Because when you're daydreaming, it's, it's like a form of escapism. You're like just escaping from the real world. Um, but that I wouldn't necessarily say that that means that I'm out of touch, like not in touch with the real world. Um, I don't know. There's there's so many different ways to 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 go about that. I think it's it's just pure escapism at the end of the day. I would say that's what the music that's that's the way I try to treat the music I make. I love that. Follow up question to that: Where did the name Jai Wolf come from? Nice. Um, <laughs> the this is so funny to look back on, and I think now that almost a decade has passed, it it it. it uh, it, it's proven a specific test. So before I was Jai Wolf, I was going under a different name. The name was No Pets Allowed, which was like a joke name because I was like, oh, DJing and blending songs and making music or sorry, mashups and remixes. It's a joke. But like I didn't take it seriously. And so at some point I was like, oh, like I want to be serious about this. Like as I was like, I want to make this my career. I need a better name. And so I was like, I need a name that I could be proud of. 10 years from now um i made a list i like analyzed a bunch of things i was like maybe i'll have a stage name or persona or something and one of the the things was dire wolf because i was a big game of thrones fan you, you guys watch game of thrones yeah so dire, dire wolf was like this like really big like wolf in the show and it was like the main characters like pets like there was five of them so the five characters or six characters i can't remember had had their own dire wolf i was like yeah that's cool that's a cool name i'm gonna do that and then my managers were like no don't do that like it's too much like a sounds like a metal band and you'll be attached to the show all that stuff i was like okay maybe i'll have a uh like a a name and then the animal so like blank wolf and so i was like okay what about a south asian name that's easy to pronounce because the thing about Sajib or Shojib, and maybe Tanishri, you'll you'll like relate to this because your name is clearly in a different uh like category of names than Ravi. Ravi is a very easy name to say. It would it's really hard to mess up. But something like Tanushri or Shojib, it's there it's harder, it's just harder for white people. Like <laughs> the like my real name is Shoji, but I say Sajib because it's easier to say and it's spelled with an S and on SH. But the, the but the problem with shojib is it's this jumble of consonants in your mouth. It's sh, j, and b, and then it's like a sh, shojib. It, it, it's like you're mumbling. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, I feel like Western that about my world, name too. Been, yeah, and it's 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 been like I don't want to say a nightmare. Like I'm very proud to be named shojib. Like I, I have no problems with it now as as a nearly thirty year old person. But, you know, in elementary school, it was just Sajib. I'm like, that's easier. And I've made peace with that. I never thought that was weird. And I know so so many people have different philosophies about their names. Like, I know Hassan Minaj will be like, it's Hassan, not Hassan. And he will, like, always correct people. That's fine. Like, I, I respect that. But I could never tell a white person, like, yeah, call me Shajib. It's just, like, it doesn't make sense to me, you know? 
going back to the to the artist name, I was like, it just has to be so easy to say because I think that that's the thing that like we'll just take it as far as it, it can. So there was a bit of thought put into that. I literally just looked up a list of names and I was like, you know what, Jai J. I know J is the right way to say it, um, which is always a surprise to brown people when I'm like, oh, it's Jai Wolf. Um, the reason why I did Jai is because there's just so many J artists. There's Jay-Z, J. Cole, J. Sean. And even though the spelling was different, I was like, I think just to stand out and not just add to the long list of J phonetic names, let's go with Jai, which is the white pronunciation, which is really funny. But I, I, I accept any ways of saying it. If people want to say Jay Wolf, that's totally cool. I'm not going to be a stickler about that. But it's funny that you asked this question now because I haven't been asked this in a very long time because Game of Thrones has ended and it ended so terribly, like horribly. <laughs> and just the, they've tarnished their legacy. So thank God I didn't pick Direwolf because you... I couldn't even imagine. And especially the last few seasons, I made this decision when like season three or season four was airing by the time it was getting to five, six, seven, eight, it was like massive amounts of hype. Like yeah. So, so unbelievable. I don't think I could deal with people being like, Oh, direwolf, like game of Thrones, like constantly, it would have been so bad. Like that's an alternate reality. Like in some other universe, I'm going by direwolf and I feel bad for that. Sajid, it's just got to be so shitty. And especially after the show ended, because now you're stuck with this thing, this name that's like associated with something that just no one cares about. Like, I don't know anyone who has love for that show anymore. It was like, and especially because I was one of those people who try to convert, like, you need to watch this show. It's so important to the pop culture zeitgeist of America and the world. Like, I've had friends who jumped in at se season seven and, and like burned through it. So we could watch season eight together. And I feel so bad because I wasted the time. <laughs> They're spending like 50 hours like watching this god-awful show that ended terribly. Season Fucking eight didn't runs. exist. Yep. Season eight just didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> but yeah, that's how I came up with the name. And part of it was like, you know, I do think that tapping into the culture was still still important to me. And despite not having the sound, I think the the identifier was important that like when you see Jay Wolf, like you, you might be like, oh, is he South Asian? Although, yeah. like I said, with my friend who I became friends with last year, they're like, oh, I thought Jay Wolf was a white person. <laughs> Doesn't always work out, but I tried my best. And I still think that to me, like that was like, you know, in terms of history, in terms of like if people ever talk about music, if they want to talk about legacy or whatever, that 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 was a part of it. And that was important to me, you know? Yeah. I it was interesting. I was expecting a very deep story related to just something in South Asian culture, mm -hmm. but, but I love that it was Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's both. It's both. It's still like, I still, I still wanted that connection. And I think I, I just didn't want to erase it completely. You know, I think that was still something that like, you know, there, there, there are artists who like don't lean into their heritage or anything like that, especially in the electronic world. Like, like, giraffage he's he's an asian guy but like you wouldn't know that if you like click giraffage and just listen to his music blindly you know so and that's not a bad thing at all i just I, for me it was a personal choice and i thought it was important and i'm glad because it's it has been almost 10 years in 2024 it will be 10 years and 
you know, I'm almost 30 now. So like, I'm glad that's something I decided so many years ago, I, I can still agree with that many years later, you know, and that was, that was really important. to me. Too. I'm ready for fun questions. I have been following your cats on Instagram, Remy and Peep. Yeah. What's mm -hmm. up? What are they like? How do they feel about your career? <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh man, this is so funny because this is a brand new development in my life. It was um, a very pleasant surprise at the end of 2020. Um, just kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, so my whole life, I've been, I would say I've been neutral towards cats. I never like loved them or, or hated them or whatever. But I will say every cat that I've encountered, just like I did not vibe with at all. Um, but then... I just like I had a couple friends who like started to get cats and like became friends with them and saw them grow from kittens and I, I I grew very attached and then um yeah the I was like okay yeah I could see myself getting a cat one day <laughs> and then what happened was um me and my friends went to our friend's farm um for like a weekend getaway um this is like towards the end of last year and it was a big farm we're supposed to go atving and what happened was we couldn't find the keys to the atvs or something <laughs> but um there was like this big golf cart transporter thing to hold like seven people we're like oh let's just take that and like drive around the farm so we we drove around we passed this barn and our friend was like oh i, I like hear or see some cats let's go say hi so we get out and these kittens, like six of them, come towards us and they were so friendly and just like, <laughs> I thought they were going to run away and we were just playing with them for like an hour. And then we, we inquired with the caretaker, like, are these cats, does anyone own them? where they come from? And the caretakers were like, oh, they just appeared one day and they've just, we've been feeding them and that's it. And they just hang out in this barn. And then we had to make the decision. We're like, should we take them? Like, what we should, what should we do? And so, four of us took them, and then we, you know, we came, we became cat owners. Um, two of them had already, no, one of them had already previously owned cats, but the other three, we all became new cat parents that day. And yeah, it just felt like fate because it was like a bunch of different, like things that led up to that specific moment like even like if we were ATVing we would not have come across that bar and I'm pretty sure um so yeah it just felt like fate and like now I'm like a full-time cat dad now <laughs> you are such a cat dad that reminds me of a Game of Thrones story yeah well so Peep, Peep is my roommates I Remy is mine so they're they're siblings yeah mm, okay yeah what about yours what's your what's your cat's name what's what's their story <laughs> I've got Pippin and Mary. Um, I actually adopted them one day. I was never allowed to have pets growing up. Like typical kind of South Asian parents, like we can't have pets. We can't even take care of you. You're our pets, type of mentality, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so finally, like I, I graduated college. I like had my own place. I was like, I have an income now, but like, adult money, and so I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get a cat. Um, and then I, I was asking around and I had a roommate who knew someone who was fostering cats um, and there were two of them and I had never had a pet before so I was like okay I don't know if I can just like have two cats right now but then they told me that they're best friends and they told me that they're sisters and I was like I have a sister and I can't separate them 
<laughs> so then I ended up getting two. And they've really taken the personalities of their namesakes, Pippin and Merry. Um, mm-hmm. For people yeah. who don't recognize that, that's the hobbits from The Lord of the Rings. Um, the ones that aren't Frodo and Sam. <laughs> um, goofy little sidekicks of Frodo and Sam. Um, yeah, Pippin is like all about... She's like always just jumping around and getting the zoomies and stuff. And Mary's very serious about her cat business. Like she's yeah, it's they're they're great though. Their sisters, they're very, very fuzzy. They're part Maine Coon. Um, and they're just the loveliest, fluffiest, friendliest cats you'll ever meet. They're very well behaved and I love them very much. I've had them for eight years now. Wow. Wow. That is so long. That's that's incredible. That's so that's great. <laughs> yeah, it makes me really sad. I can't believe it's already been eight years. I'm like Oh God, live forever, my babies. Yeah, it's it's um it's been really interesting because like now it's like this new part of my life that now I'll have to like uh you know like there's there there will be like the before time and then the after time. Yeah. I'm still Um, separating my life as before and after Pip and Mary. I'm still doing that. Yeah. No, it's it's been great though. I'm I'm glad and like just like after such a like a relatively shitty year for most people, if not all people. Um, very lovely surprise. And like, I was very happy that it was literally like November 28th or something. So very much the end of the year. And just after like that whirlwind, it was very, very lovely to like, to, to come across her. And it's so funny. We thought she was a boy at first. Um, she was misgendered (laughs) three times by, they don't know about these human construct. It's fine. Yeah, but I was like, that doesn't matter. Like, maybe she identifies as, like, a boy or something. I don't know. But I was like, I'm going to keep the name. I'm not going to change it because I, I spent a lot of time coming up with an, her name. So, But, yeah, no, it's been it's been so great. Um, and, like, just relaxing. It's like you, you have, like, a – what's it called? Like a, kind of like a therapy pet, you know? Like, it's it, um, just good for the mental. Yeah. Yeah, I live with my parents now, and so they've been, I moved back in with them a little while ago, and my parents have been teaching them Bangla, so now they're bilingual pets. <laughs> it's so funny you say that, because my, my parents now FaceTime me every other day, if not every day, just to see them. And then yes, my mom will try they to, ask about the cats before they ask about me. Yeah, which, like, you know, before maybe, like, once a week, they check on me or call me, or we text, like, every day, but... Now it's like a constant barrage of FaceTimes and they just, they're so excited to, they haven't met them yet, um, but they're, they're excited to, to find, uh, this summer they will, you know, but yeah, no, it's been, it's been, it's been great. Ravi, do you have any pets? I don't, I don't envy you too. I'm definitely a dog person. <laughs> I send Ravi pictures of my cats lot. all the time though. I, a lot of Texas people, I, I have a lot of friends in Austin and it's a big dog, dog, uh, city and everyone has a dog mm-hmm. yeah yeah I'm, I'm trying to move there right now and i i have i know which dog i would get i want a corgi puppy oh it's <laughs> yeah and it's, it's just also like thinking about like the producer life too because i feel like cats are very manageable and they're they quiet they're quiet and they keep to themselves but like corgis are very yappy yeah <laughs> and i feel like dogs require so much more attention than than cats so I, I don't know if I'll get one anytime soon, but I'm definitely thinking about it. I was, I had, um, I had a Pomeranian phase because my friend had a Pomeranian and I was obsessed and I followed so many like South Korean Pomeranian accounts because they're really popular in South Korea on Instagram. And 
I was like really considering getting one because it was just so cute. But I, I sadly can't do dogs. Sorry to all the dog people out there. Don't mean to offend you. Um, I, I just couldn't do it, unfortunately. Um, but the, the cat thing is funny because so many producers have cats. It's like a big, I, I didn't realize this until the last like two years. Like I know so many people with cats and yeah, they're the perfect like studio producer companion. Yeah. I love dogs to death, but they're a lot more to take care of. And that's, that's really the only reason I chose cats over dogs. It's not like any real preference. Um, so my next question is... What would you put in your, what are three items to put in your Bangladeshi starter pack? If you were like introducing someone to the Bangladeshi life, what would those three things be? Or the Bangladeshi American life, however you want to um, see it. Whatever you define it as. All right. First up, uh, fish. Just like fish. <laughs> Any particular kind of it's fish? It's just like such a big staple. Um, oh man. Maybe like um, Delapia. I think I think it's something that my parents cook the most. I mean, I love I love salmon. That's my favorite. Like the way my parents make fish is just it's impeccable. It's so good. Um, but I'm trying to I'm trying to think. What's like the main Bangladeshi fish? I'm blanking on the the name. I actually don't eat fish. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> my parents hate it. Hmm. Okay. Oh. Okay. Okay. We saw your parents vegetarian too. They're not. That's why they hate it so much. They they hate that I'm a vegetarian. Oh, they hate that you're that you're a vegetarian. Okay, got it. Damn. Um, well, I wouldn't say you're missing out. Like fish is good, but it's if I didn't eat fish, I I think I'd be okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, no fish. It's just like the the whole the, the industry. Like when you go back, and uh, my grandparents would make fish, and I didn't realize how much of a thing, how much of a not thing fish was. I'm gonna phrase this really weirdly. How much of a how much in different cultures fish is not a thing that's what i mean to say like um for example even in in media like there will always be like oh it smells like fish here like very like negative sentiment towards fish uh, in a in a culinary sense um and i didn't realize that until later in life so yeah fish is definitely part of the starter pack very very important um I think specifically for me, even just like the harmonium, I know that it, it's, uh, it, they have it in India, right? It's like still popular in Indian culture or. I have one right yeah, behind my, my me. Dad, that's his whole thing. He, he bought a, do you really? I have, oh my that, God. That's my sitar. Yeah. And there's my harmonium is right under, you can't see it on the camera, but it's there. That's so sick. Um, I know that's like a general, maybe more of a general South Asian thing, but I just associate that with, like I said, all the, the family gatherings and playing the harmonium and singing like Tagore and um, Ghazi is um, what's his name? Ghazi Israel Islam mm -hmm. something. Ghazi Nazrul Islam. Nazrul Islam, yeah. Yeah. Naz yeah. All, all their songs and everything. That's just like strongly ingrained. Um, the third thing. I'm going to have to think about this one. Um, okay. So. I know not, maybe not for me, but just like Ban, I guess, like it's, oh. it wasn't very prevalent in our house, but in, in Bangladesh, it was just like everywhere. That's a good one. And I'm trying to think of a better example. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to come off as like super out of touch or something. I also just, I haven't been to my parents' house for a really long time. So, and I haven't been to Bangladesh in like four years now. So it's, it's been quite a bit. Um, 
Side note, when was the last time you've been in Bangladesh? Technically, I've never been to Bangladesh because all of my family, so my family started off as Bangladeshi Hindus and then, you know, they had to leave. Um, So some of them are Bangladeshi, but my parents are both like of the age where uh, like their older siblings spent a lot more time in Bangladesh than they did. So my parents and I, we speak an Indian dialect of Bangladesh. Everybody's in India now, almost everybody. So I've actually never been to Bangladesh, even though like I have a lot of family that speaks different Bangladeshi dialects and everything. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a little confusing for me. I don't totally know if I'm Indian Bangladeshi. I don't know what I am. Big question mark. So are they all in Kolkata? For now, most of them are, yeah. Got it. Okay. And have you been to Kolkata? I have, yes. Uh, last time I went was right. in 2014. Got it. Okay, cool. I've, I've been once um, a few years ago, and that was it. But I, I don't think I saw any family there. But yeah, when I think when I started packing, <laughs> the first two things, I would just say fish and harmonium. I'm having a t- hard time picking a third thing. I think Bond was I a just, good one. Bond is a staple. Just like the, yeah, Bond, Bond is definitely a big, big staple of, of the culture for sure. I mean, maybe the chicken, but chicken's not like exclusive. Like you can get chicken anywhere, but it's the way they make it. It can be an Indian starter. Really it can be great. a South Asian starter pack. I think that's okay. <laughs> okay, you know what? I have a, I have a, I just thought of it. And this goes back to being at my parents' house. Incense. Ooh. That's what I associate with. Because my, cause my parents, they, they always do, um, what is it called? Like prayer. Like my mom shows his prayer. So the incense in the house. So. Puja, there we go. Okay, now, thank you. Thanks for letting me ramble as I, like, figure out, figure this one out. You can add it from here. Three things. Um, fish. Harmonium. And incense. Especially in my house. I would say in my house, those are definitely the, the top three things. Like, you walk in, you will smell, and maybe even hear. Because I'm only one of those things you can hear. Although, the sizzle of fish, maybe you'll hear that, too. I'm done. I'm done rambling. That's that was a tough one. <laughs> that was amazing. Very inviting. Reminds me of home. <laughs> so, interesting question for you. So, if you and you alone had the ability to see a statistic over everybody's head, salary, age, profession, marital status, whatever, what would you want to see? Um. Yeah, so I read this and I had to think about this when, when you guys sent the questions. Um, I kind of have like two different two different uh, interpretations of this or two different answers. I think in in this current world, I know this is controversial, but I just I just would like to know who's vaccinated and who's Ooh, not. Oh, that's a good one. It's, like, it's a serious. It's a bit of a serious answer, but I only take it seriously because like. Our world, the arts world, music, just it's it will be so affected by the next six months. So, like I said earlier, please get your vaccines. <laughs> and yeah, I just want this to end. You know, I want to play a show. I want to I want to feel that magic again. But my more playful answer is, um, it would be cool to know who owned a cat. <laughs> and then it would just be like, oh, like I I feel like I would know so much about them just by that not that not having one would be anything negative so Ravi you're fine it's not like it would affect you in any way like oh this person doesn't have a cat but like (laughs) the cat owners and the non-cat owners 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not that. It's just I think it would it would be interesting to because it's it's like a it's a nice um what I've realized it's a nice talking conversation point of like oh you have a cat I have a cat too and it'd be like bond over that it's a very 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 specific thing but I'm in that phase of my life now so cat dad life I'm here for it <laughs> I like that that's a good one okay final question what is a day in the life of six year old Sajib mm. six year old oh 60 60, 60. right mm-hmm. okay would you see yourself Sajib as Dada. an old man <laughs> oh man okay so I'm gonna say this for the tenth time. Amazing questions, um, especially this one because I've thought about it for a long time. Oh. And I've also talked to, I've talked to, I've, I've had this conversation with someone recently. Um, okay, so this is a multitude thing. I've retired. No more music. It's done. Even like producing for other people, if as the later phase in my life, like that's done too. Um, I'm retired. Uh, I own a mini golf course because I love mini golfing. It is one of my favorite things to do. Um, every time we go on tour, we I try to go mini golfing in different cities and try different courses out. Last time we did this um, in 2019, we went twice. One was in Seattle. They had a really fun range. Went with some of our friends there. And the other place was Mall of America in... Um, Minnesota, I think, or Detroit or something. I can't remember wherever the Mall of America is. Great range Isn't there. It in DC? Um, oh, maybe, you know what? It has a different name. I think DC is also called Mall of America or something. But yeah, we were in like some random, random city. I'm, I'm totally blanking. And then in Australia, in Sydney, they have um, indoor mini golfing at, at this bar. And it's so much fun. It's just like they have these like intricate, like, like you, you think like how they fit a mini golf course like inside a bar. And they did somehow, and it's really fun. So I love, I love stuff like that. I want to own my own course, um, maybe cat themed. Who knows? <laughs> like maybe it's just a bunch of cats doing different things, like cat statues around the the course. And then um, combination halal restaurant. So I love halal food. Um, as you know, New York City carts on every corner. Um, I got my own cart that I always go to. Shout out to Me Too on. 14th Street and 3rd Avenue on the southwest corner. Gotta go check him out. He's right by the NYU dorm. Been going to him since 2009. He is the man. $5 a platter. I'm, I'm his, like, shill, basically. <laughs> I bring all my friends there. Um, I might just hire him. <laughs> just have him, like, have, have, have the cart on the, on the golf range. Although, if I'm 60, then he's going to be, like, 75 or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it would be like a, a situation where I'm, it's like, maybe it's family run and I'm just like, I hang out and I feel like I'll have a lot of stories to tell. So like people can come and have just a wholesome time. And, and yeah, I get to, maybe my can meet the cats that I'll have. Cause I know at 60, I'm going to be surrounded by like 10 cats by then. So <laughs> maybe you can incorporate cats into this space and it can be like, like a cat cafe, you know, people go in and they're like, oh wait, I want to adopt this cat. And then they go home with a cat. Yes, actually, I was I I have thought about that too about the there's a cat cafe component so you could hang out. Maybe it's just you just get to hang out with all the cats that I have because I would love to, at, especially at that age, uh, just own 
like literally 10. I would love to just have a, t- a ton of them. Agree. Agree. Yeah. That's my ideal retirement scenario. And I'm glad you asked it because I've thought about it and I can't wait for that day. <laughs> I asked it because I think about it a lot. Too. That sounds like the dream, honestly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is weird. It's a very like, I don't know, like kind of like capitalistic way of thinking of like, oh, you're thinking about retirement. You're thinking about like being financially free and all that stuff. But, you know, it's ingrained in our culture where we don't have to work anymore one day. Yeah. I think about it as like, when I escape society, <laughs> what am I going to do? Well, cool. Those were great answers. Thank you so much for entertaining all of our questions. Yeah, of course. Thanks for thanks for having me. Right before we leave, was there anything else that we haven't asked you that you would like to talk about? Um, no. Honestly, everything that you guys asked were exactly what I wanted to talk about. And then even some of the stuff that like led to tangents or just like related conversations, I think. I said everything I wanted to say and honestly very excited to have a place to say some of those things. Cause I, I, you know, like I said, we talked a lot about South Asian artists and the next generation and what I'd like to see happen. And that's something that like, I want more people to be aware of this. I, I want there to be a larger conversation. Maybe if someone hears this, they have something to add on or if they want to reach out or anything like that, I'd love, I love this to be, a jumping off point for any listener who's tuning in to like, oh yeah, I understand what he's saying and I want to see more of that too. And I, I want to find more people who are thinking like this. To me, it's how do we take down the barriers between the West and the East so that like fans in India and Bangladesh and Pakistan can listen to what's happening here and see what the South Asian artists here are doing. And then how can we do the same for the artists out there who are trying to like cross over and aren't like specifically in a traditional or Bollywood like bubble, you know, cause mm-hmm. there's someone there. There's probably a producer who's like making electronic music, but has no way to like reach an audience here. And so, yeah, I want to see that. I want the, I want the walls to come down a bit more, you know? Um, have you listened to Bondure by Moza? No, I have it's, not. It's a song that when I... It's a Bangla... Bangla... Part Bangla, part English. Um, it's like the hottest song in Taka right now. But like when I uh, first heard it, I had... I didn't even realize it was in Bangla. Like it sounds so much... It sounds so American, but and yet it does have some Bengali influences in it. I think you should check it out. It's a fun song. I will. Yeah. Can you um, just like email it to me after? It's... See, that's the thing. Like I, I have no idea what is... What's happening over there. And I saw that like... Spotify finally launched Spotify Bangladesh. Yeah. And I checked out their page. But man, the comment sections, it's all K pop stands because I, I recently found out my cousins love K pop. They love Blackpink and BTS. And so all of them are like, listen to BTS. And it's like, it's funny because they're all Bangla kids. They're young Bengali um, teenagers or young people and they're stands. And I didn't realize stand culture was so prevalent there. But it's like, all right, like, that's awesome. You're listening to K-pop and it's great that that has made its way to Bangladesh. But there is some cool stuff happening in America that like there's South Asian artists. There's there's this whole other world, you know, and so I'd love to see, I guess you could call it curation. I just want to see like the proper proper curation and the proper channels of like bringing what South Asian artists are doing in America there and what Bangladeshi artists or Indian artists there and bring that into the west you know yeah i'll send it to you that's a good one ravi what was your question 
So it's I, I can think of myself and then you know Navid, right? One of our one of our friends who's been on this podcast before is also a South Asian artist who's really trying to like lean into that part of himself He's in, in his too. career and his identity. So yeah, yeah, that too. Um so all that being said, do you have any words of advice for any South Asian creatives, whether it be in music or another creative profession, that are like in the rut trying to find their way up and looking for motivation or something? Um yeah. Um, so based on my experience, I would say two, two words of advice. One is be, pre- be prepared for the being knocked down on your feet. Like you will have to go through a lot of that before you see any semblance of success. You'll just, you'll have to fail a bunch of times before you actually, you know, get to where you want to be. So just mentally prepare for that. And like, as long, if you can get through that, that's, that sort of persistence. And I mentioned persistence earlier, that will take you a very very long way because by giving up you're you're giving into like the structure and, and the system basically so if you if you have persistence that'll help you a lot um the second thing is 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 the community aspect it's finding other people who are like-minded coming up with them i do think that coming up by yourself is impossible like you would have to have like an undeniable hit and a, and a team around you that like can really uplift and, and take you where you want to be but I would say that most artists these days through collectives or through friendships, those are stronger than having like a really good manager or a really good record label. People love, like audiences love seeing camaraderie. They love seeing artists who are friends with each other and they love to see that kind of collaboration. I think that's something that has stood the test of time. Personal example, when I was listening to Fall Out Boy, like pop punk music in high school, <laughs> They had a MySpace, and in their top eight, if you recall MySpace, you could put your friends or whatever. So they would put their label mates, they would put the artists that they um, worked with or supported on their top eight. That's how I found Panic at the Disco. That's how I found Gym Class Heroes. That's how I found the Hush Sound and all those artists, Cobra Starship. Like that was a very early example of like a collective, you know, group of artists coming together and supporting each other and, and uplifting them like that. Then you hear Panic at Disco on the radio. Then you hear Cobra Starship on the radio. Like that, that was so cool to see. And I think that has turned, like that now exists in so many different ways. I mean, you have like Brockhampton, which is a group of artists, like all, they have their solo stuff, but then as a group, they're Brockhampton. Um, for us, it was, it was a collective called Moving Castle that four of my friends had started on SoundCloud. Um, and they used that to like uplift a lot of, producers around the world, but also like we were all on the East coast. We had producer friends in Boston, DC, New York, Philly. We all got together and like would play different club shows together and be on the same lineups. And suddenly agents and festivals were, were looking at what we were doing and and it caught that attention, you know? Um, And that, that will go, that will like just do so much favors for you with that right there. And it just has to be genuine. Obviously you can't like force a friendship or anything like that, but I think that what changed for me, and this is a, a clear like before after, is before I was doing this on my own and nothing was happening. I was cold calling emails and I had some friends, but didn't really have like a network of musician friends. And then suddenly one of my, someone I knew put me in a Facebook group and I met all these people. And I would say that Facebook group like changed my life more than having the right manager or the right label, despite them working very hard for me and batting for me and doing as much as they can. It was the the friendships that were an integral building block towards 
coming up together and, and winning together. I will say that at the end of the day, no one wins alone at all, ever. There's no example of that. Everyone wins through, it's going to sound, I was about to say, everyone wins through the power of friendship, um, <laughs> which, which sounds corny and cheesy, but it is so true. That is the thing that will, that will kind of like get you out of the rut at the end of the day, is if you can work together to, to do that. I think that's really inspirational. Daisy Collective, Thunder Street. I would like I to see it. I mean, like, yeah, I want to see that happen. You know, it'd be so sick. Like, th- if there was something that was very organized and, and like I said, it, uh, it's, a, it's a bunch of things. It's not just the artists. It's, like, the connectors and then also just figureheads. Like, even, like, people who are already in the industry, it's writers, it's press people, it's managers, it's, it's, it's everyone. It, once, once there's that, like, really solidified connection between everyone – then we will see, well, let's call it a renaissance. Let's call it a Desi renaissance. You know, I want to see that in the next 10 years. And that can only happen after there's like the really solid connections of, of different people together, you know? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. That's everything for me, Tanishri. Yeah, no, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And thank you so much for being on our show. It was so fun yeah. to have you. You're really fun yeah. to talk to. Thanks. I, I try. I was so nervous because uh, I haven't done an interview in probably like over a year because I think you guys hit us up last year, right? Or I remember, I remember it when. was like it was around the holidays. So it's been yeah, it's been a bit. Yeah, we just we just didn't think that there was a reason to do press during the pandemic just because nothing was really happening. And um, yeah, so it's just been, I think, almost since 2019 since we've done something proper. and. Uh, and also just like this, this is nice. I like the, the face-to-face and, the, and, and actually talking to someone. It's not written because I've done a lot of like type out your answers in an email interview. And Oh, really? Yeah. 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 But, but like doing a, a call is always great. And yeah, definitely since like 2019. So I was like, man, I'm going to be rusty for, for this. But I'm glad you enjoyed and, and dude, like great to talk to other Desi people too. Like I, I think that we all have a very unique perspective on everything. and. And it's good to good to good to talk about it, good to discuss it, and, and get the and get get those ideas out. And, and you brought up so many points that I hadn't thought of before, especially with the, the the competitive mentality and the colonization and all that stuff. Like very very solid points, and only support what I had to say too. So I appreciate that a lot. For sure, thank you. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the end of our episode. Thank you to everyone for allowing us into your ears for the last, I don't know, two hours or whatever, how long it's been. (laughs) If you like what you're hearing, rate us on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about this show. Uh, If you want to connect, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Desi Condition or on Twitter at TDC Podcasts underscore, because unfortunately I could not get the same handle because it's too long for Twitter. I don't know, Twitter. Twitter, you need to change. Anyways, you can always email us (laughs) at thedesicondition at gmail.com. Other than that, stay safe, have a beautiful day, make good choices, and we will talk to you next time.